0: Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal shirtlift This show is heard on WBCQ, the planet, every Monday and Friday evening, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also listen to our show on our Podomatic page. That's our platform. That's our uh, flagship platform, as well as Amazon. Uh, let's see. There's a whole bunch of them. Spotify and about half a dozen others. Um, this show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which among all things runs a week-long uh, family camp. Uh, we get a long ways to our next camp, but we already had two people signed up, a uh, 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 father and son team that attended this year, and they couldn't wait to get back next year. And it runs from July 14th to the 19th, and we just got a, a confirmed uh, uh, pre- uh, speaker or a instructor, Julie Wilkinson, who was in the movie Unplanned. She played the abortion nurse. She's also been a guest. We've had, we hosted her in New England on speaking engagements. And we have some of the return instructors, uh, Pastor David Whitney, uh, for example, of the Institute on the Constitution. Uh, um, but we also have coming up in just two weeks. We have our annual, second annual family weekend retreat in beautiful Tuftonboro, New Hampshire. And this will start on the September 29th, Friday at uh, four o'clock check-in and then ends after lunch on Sunday. Camp Sentinel is the venue. Visit their website. It's a beautiful place and uh, we have a few good, well, Waller instructor is good, but uh, Jim Perloff, who is the author of Tornado Through a Junkyard, will be one of the instructors. Richard Howell had to uh, cancel. He's got some conflict, but uh, we have Reverend Stevie Craft coming, as well as um, Catherine White, and we have have a, a field trip to the local World War II museum, and Wolfboro, as well as potentially apple picking or just shopping in beautiful downtown Wolfboro. So to learn more about that, visit our website, campconstitution.net, and uh, we take a look at all of the other things we have. The Sam Blumenfeld Archive, which is a free online resource for educators, homeschoolers, historians, and all we need. When you go to our website, you'll see the drop-down and our youtube channel where we have uh, over a thousand videos most of our videos of our classes since i think 2011 or 2010 i think the first year we videotaped the classes but there was a problem with the uh with the camera and we lost all that most of that but we also have uh, some great downloads um we have the Gary Allen Collection. So just a lot of resources for people. To, and these are free resources, but we do encourage folks to donate to us, whether you're listening to this show or uh, or, or visiting our website and like what you see. Consider making a, a donation on our PayPal. We have a PayPal account right on our homepage, campconstitution.net. Make it a one-time donation or make it a monthly donation. That'd be great. Uh, if you have a nonprofit or a business and you'd like to become a sponsor, send us your a link to your business or organization and a uh, a picture of something you'd like for, to put by the uh, sponsors page. And we look at for any donations over $100 a year would uh, put you on that sponsors page. Well, lots of things going on, a busy time of year especially for Camp Constitution. I am down in, uh, as I'm doing this show in a hotel in, um, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, the um, Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society uh, is having their annual convention, the Future of Christendom, and I'll be one of the presenters. And um, uh, all, the sh- all the programs will be, I believe, videotaped and archived by the uh, organization. They're on Facebook, and they have a website, of course, for uh, Future of Christendom, and they have some great instructors here. Uh, presenters, Charles Van Veek will be one of them. He's somebody who was my guest last week, and we have um, Matthew Trewella, uh Pastor Matthew Trawella, who has a missionary to the preborn, and he's an author of several books, including the I think it was called the jurisdiction of the lesser, uh, lesser magistrate. Anyway, he's a great guy, and we will be uh, I'll be meeting some people for the first time and seeing some folks I haven't seen in, in a few years. So uh, please uh, visit their website. Um, like feature of Christian dumb or oh, I should say, I think it's Mid Atlantic. Just put in Mid Atlantic Reformation Society, and it will pop right up. I forget exactly what it is. Well, uh, just a few days ago, we had some very good news in the culture war. And, you know, since our lawsuit, our our successful lawsuit against the city of Boston, our 9-0 victory, uh, lots of states, towns, I should say, and cities have uh, banned any flag, any third party flag. Uh, So they'll fly the U.S. flag, the state flag, maybe a county flag. And some have made exceptions for military POW, MIA flags, things like that. But because, um, it, and it isn't, not, not necessarily banning other flags because of the Christian flag, but they're, they're saying, you know, we don't, if we fly one flag, we have to fly another. And, you know, we don't want to get caught up in any legal issues. So that's, they're doing that. Or in some cases, uh, or local people, local activists have stepped up and say, okay, you're flying all these other flags. Now you got to fly the flag I want you to fly in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, which is in the central part of the state, sort of a blue collar town, a city that's post-industrial. used to be a lot of manufacturing there. There's a little bit there now, but not like it used to be. And a lady stepped up to the plate, and, uh, Jessica, and I interviewed her. Uh, she flew the pro-family flag and actually the mayor was on hand. As they as they flew it, and the left went ballistic. Of course, how dare you fly anything that's other than the flags that we want you to fly? Anything else is unacceptable. And the city changed the policy; they will no longer fly any third-party flags, uh, with, except what they mentioned—the state flag, the U.S. flag. Uh, just recently, in Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama. Now I get I get alerts, so when this uh, christian flag or um, my name comes up or the case comes up uh, i will get the alert and i'll and through google and i will be able to sometimes it's just somebody with the name first name of christian uh, uh, i might get some of those but a lot of times i'm getting these articles from different uh, groups around the country so there's a group in um, montgomery alabama And they wanted the city to declare Christian Heritage Month, it would be September, and fly the Christian flag. And the city initially passed the resolution saying they would, uh, and then they had second thoughts about it. So it's somewhat up in the air. I think they're going to eventually ended up allowing them to do it. And it was last, uh, I guess this past summer, the mayor arbitrarily decided to fly the rainbow flag. And uh, uh, during the city council hearings, it says, well, we don't really know. We, we don't want, we allow this one. And uh, one of the attorneys uh, who had been a city councilor in, in, well, that wants to fly this flag, he said, uh, well, the ho- I think he said something like the horse has already been out of the stable uh, or the out the barn because you've already done this. So uh, and then just uh, a few days ago, I get a call or a text message from Michael King of the Massachusetts Family Institute, and he told me what was going on in Billerica. There's a group in Billerica that wants to uh, fly the the pro-life flag, and they, uh, they appeal to the town council. And uh, just uh, a couple of days ago, the town agreed, four to one, uh, that they'll fly the flag. And I was asked to call in. Uh, they have a Zoom. I think it was on Zoom or one of the formats. And you could actually ask to to talk or to, to make comments. I made my comments were, I think they allow you three minutes. My comments were very brief. I simply said that who I was that I was uh, the plaintiff for Shurtle v. Boston. And after five years, almost five years, you know, we flew the flag, but it also cost the city of Boston over 2.1 million in legal fees. And I said, I don't think that the town of uh, Billerica wants to uh, defray those. And I can't say that. I'm sure my, he, my testimony didn't hurt any, but I think they may have passed it anyway. But here's a letter that was sent by the um, Massachusetts Family Institute's attorney, Sam Whiting. Uh, dear members of the Select Board, my name is Sam Whiting and I am an attorney with Massachusetts Family Institute, a nonprofit profit organization dedicated to strengthening the family in Massachusetts. I write on behalf of pro-life citizens of Billerica who recently submitted an application to fly the pro-life flag on a town flagpole located at the Billerica Public Library during the month of October. The purpose of this letter is to advise you of the legal implications of Billerica's policies and practices in the context of this request. As you know, the Supreme Court recently unanimously held in Shurtleff v. City of Boston that when a city allows a flagpole to be used as a public forum for expression by various groups, it cannot discriminate against any group's flag based on the message it conveys. A critical factor in the court's analysis in deciding whether Boston had turned its flagpole into a public forum was the extent to which the government had actively shaped or controlled the expression at issue. Because Boston had allowed numerous other private groups to fly their flags on the city flagpole, they had never turned away an applicant and could not discriminate against a Christian applicant because of the religious content of the flag he requested to fly. Is our understanding that in the past, Ballerica has approved a request of a number of private groups to fly their flags on city flagpoles, including but not limited to the Italian flag to celebrate Italian Heritage Month, the Armenian Genocide Commemoration Flag, the Indian Flag to commemorate Indian Independence Day, the LGBTQ Pride Flag to, communica- uh, to commemorate LGBTQ Pride Month. So uh, some of these flags have been raised multiple times over multiple years at the request of private groups. An ordinary citizen observing private groups raising these flags would understand that the flags represent the group's private expression and not the government speech of Bulgaria. It also sh- it should also be noted that some of these flags, such as the Armenian genocide flag or the LGBTQ pride flag, touch on sensitive and or potentially contentious political issues over which Bulgarians may strongly disagree. By engaging ex- in a practice of allowing any and all private groups to use town flagpoles for private expression, Billerica has opened its flagpoles as a public forum, just as Boston did. This means that this board may not deny the pro-life group's request to fly its own flag based on the content of its message. To do so would violate the First Amendment right to free expression. While some may see the flag as controversial, it is, no, it is no more controversial than other flags the board has allowed to fly in the past and should be given equal treatment. It is true that Billerica may close the forum it has opened by passing a policy stating that town flags are no longer forms for public expression, but are instead forms for government speech. However, until such a policy is passed, the flagpole remains a public forum. The fact that the Board is now moving to pass such a policy in apparent response to that request to fly the pro-life flag indicates that the Board is acting to discriminate against the pro-life group based on the content and viewpoint of their message. This is unfortunate. Should the Board deliberately and unnecessarily delay acting on pro-life's request to fly the flag until it can pass a new flag policy, this would also violate the, the group's First Amendment rights. For the foregoing reasons, I should strongly advise the board to approve the pro-life group's request to fly the pro-life flag at some point during the month of October. Signed, Samuel J. Whiting, Esquire, staff attorney, Mass Family Institute, and they have a website as well. And they're affiliated with uh, Focus on the Family. That's uh, that's the national group, and they're sort of the uh, local uh, Massachusetts uh, of, uh they do act they do independent they do some things independently, but they're somehow affiliated with them. And so um, they, they, they voted four to one. So this is what happens when local conservative Christian activist types take action. things can happen. Now you might say, well, what's the big deal a flagpole well, it is a big deal because the left seems to have the towns, especially in Massachusetts. They just think that, that their message can be conveyed all anytime they want. And city councils and town committees have to support, have resolutions and paint uh, rainbow crosswalks and have all kinds of LGBTQ programs. Meanwhile, those Christians and pro-lifers and Second Amendment people and patriots, we just keep our mouth shut and be glad that we're allowed to, to exist, I suppose. that's That seems to be their attitude but we need... We're, so we're pushing back. And I say we. I mean, p- people, uh, conservative Christian types, uh, pushing back uh, to recapture the culture. And so... But uh, when these towns are saying, okay, we're, we're not going to fly any flag again, except for the state flag, U.S. flag, that is... I think that's probably the best way to go. And they say, well, you're you're a hypocrite, Hal, because you flew... Your, you want to fly your flag. Um, when I... Well, the first time I realized the city of Boston had some type of flag policy is when I was actually, I had just been dismissed from jury duty. I wanted to be on jury duty. Uh, it would have been a grand jury three, three months. But at the time, my employer said, well, you know, I, you know tell, tell them you want to get off. And they dismissed me. I didn't know they would, but they dismissed me. And I was, as I was crossing the street, there, look and I see this flag of communist China flying on the fly. I said, what the heck is going on here? So it was a pro-communist Chinese organization, uh, the Chinese Progressive Association of Greater Boston. And they were celebrating the communist revolution of China, communist China, isn't that great? And what made it worse is that there, were, uh, there was a city official. The first, I don't remember, I didn't, the first year, I think I might've caught it as it was getting over. Uh, but the f- second or third time I went to this event, Ayanna Presley. at that time was a city councilor, she was a a member, I'm sorry, she was one of the keynote speakers at this event, praising communist China. And again, not surprised when she became a member of Congress, uh, she's as far left as uh, you can get. Although I have to admit uh, that I looked at a, um, the New American has something called the um, Freedom Index, and I haven't looked at it in a little while, uh, at least I, i'm sure I, i've looked at it recently but i mean her voting record and in massachusetts she was like a 35 or a 40 on a scale of one to a hundred a hundred being uh, a staunch constitutionalist and she was a 30 she was the least leftist of the whole massachusetts delegation and i said she's a third i think it was a 40 it really surprised me sometimes the left will vote against something because it's not strong enough you know she'll say well no i I don't want to have uh, a, a hundred trillion dollars spent needlessly. I think we should spend two hundred trillion dollars. So I'm voting against this hundred trillion dollar bill. And I think I'm, I'm making a, a, an exaggeration here, but I think you understand why sometimes they just, things don't go far enough. But the left is clever, though. Of course, sometimes uh, if they have enough votes, they can tell their people, "Look, we don't. You, you can sit this one out, especially." That's what that's what they do to the neocons, the neocon uh, liberal Republicans, leftist Republicans. They can look good on their voting records because there are times when a vote is they know it's going to pass. So they don't they don't really need that vote. Dick Cheney, when he was a congressman from Wyoming, he always scored like a 90, 85, 90 on voting records uh, on his on his index. And you think, wow, this guy's hardcore. You know, not a, not exactly Ron Paul, but he's pretty close. And the bottom line is that um, he he didn't do um, he, he. There were some things that he didn't need, but when they need the vote, that's when they call in the chips. You know, it's so, okay. You belong to us. You're an internationalist. You're you're a deep stater. You know, you exist at our leisure. We need you to change your vote on this. Well, we need you to vote for this one. You know, And by the way, you look on everything else, so you, you get reelected. The voters back home are pretty stupid, anyway, and you know that. In fact, he was at a CFR headquarters. Uh, this was when he was vice president, and he said something like, oh, it's good to be back here at the Council on Foreign Relations. He said, I've been a member for many years. I've served as a director or something, but the people back in Wyoming don't know that, ha, 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 and everybody thought that was funny. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but uh, so if you watch, listen to this show and you say, hey, I could do something like that in my town uh, or my city. You know, it's good to have more than a few people. You don't have to have an organization. It can be one person. Uh, in uh, in Gloucester, Massachusetts, a man named Alex Destino, uh, whose family's been there for many years. He's well-established in the city. And he applied to fly the Christian flag, I think initially it was Easter, uh, Good Friday to Easter, and the mayor, no way, we're not going to fly that. <clears throat> and then the mayor turns around, and they flew the rainbow flag for one day. It was May 31st, and they had a little ceremony, which he wasn't even there, I understand. They took it out, down the next day, because they're a little concerned. Liberty Council has taken the case, and there should be more, go, as time goes on, there should be more information uh, that, hopefully, Liberty will file a... Um, a uh, demand letter uh, and then a lawsuit uh, and that should uh, generate some interest. They might just realize they don't have a shot at it and end up flying the flight. They don't want to spend lots of money in legal fees. So sometimes they double down just because it's their nature. You know, we're not going to give in to these right wing extremists. And in Nashua, New Hampshire, uh, there's a lady, Beth. She uh, actually, they they have a flagpole where they'll fly a flag for a month and they've flown all kinds of flags. And she had a pro-female sports flag, and it was flying. And some le- lefties, oh, we can't have that, and they took it down. And uh, I just heard that Liberty Council might is looking into the case, and they might just take it. So uh, it's just great. Oh, by the way, I want to mention too that in uh, in Birmingham, uh, I got a hold of the uh, a couple of the people involved. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, one of, the, uh, one of the Liberty Council attorneys that was on your case is is, is working with. They said, that's great. That's good to hear. Liberty Council, I'll tell you, um, lc.org, they're the folks who took our case pro bono and they went all the way to the Supreme Court. And that was their attention. They said, we'll take it as far as we have to go. And when they, um, when the city wanted to settle Right after the Supreme Court took the case, they thought, "Oh, geez, you know," uh, they had to tell, they had to ask me, ask me if I wanted to settle, and I told them that I did not want to settle. I said, "I'm not out any legal fees, you know, you guys are." And uh, Harry Mihos, the uh, one of the attorneys, laughed. He said, "Well, Gavin Newsom just sent up a very generous donation. It wasn't a donation; it was a settlement." Uh, and he said, "So don't worry about the money." That's great. Okay. So, um, and I think if we did settle, that lower decision would have stood. I wouldn't, I didn't even think of that at the time. I just said, look, I don't gamble, but let's roll the dice because it's not really about, they would have allowed us to have a one-time ceremony and paid legal fees at that point. But the lower court's decisions against uh, would have stood, you know, those, uh, the first circuit court of appeals that their three-o decision that would not have been a good thing. So I said, no, we've, you know, we've got to see this to the end. And, um, and the Supreme court, as I mentioned other uh, times, they only take a, a 1% of the cases, all the cases that go in front of them. I understand they sometimes get about 800 cases and they only take about 1%. So God is in this completely because, uh, it's definitely, wasn't my, my thought to do it. Um, and so, by the way, uh, you'll be watching this show, listening to this on what Monday again some there'll be some great program. there's There's a debate here that's happening that happened Saturday uh, between a homosexual Christian and uh, a pa- a pastor who's not uh, doesn't believe that homosexuals uh, Christians uh, somehow that there's a so-called gay Christian that it's fine. God is okay with homosexuality. and the pastor is debating him, uh, Pastor White. And I heard him, I watched a debate of his on a YouTube channel. And it was, you know, sometimes you just find videos and, oh, this guy's really sharp. And then I look at the program and said, oh, he's going to be here at the Mars conference. Oh, that's outstanding. So that should be videotaped and that should be on the Mars uh, website. And I plan to uh, videotape most, if not all of the programs, all the speakers and we do these little TED talks. They're all like uh, most of them, like eighteen minutes, twenty minutes long. So it's not a long, drawn-out speech, which is good. I think 18, you you can't tell you give you points in eighteen minutes, and you, you yeah, you're not going to be able to get much done. Uh, speaking of which, um, I'll be heading home early Sunday on Constitution Day, uh, which is September seventeenth. And I'll be giving a five to six minute presentation on the article. I'm I'm sorry, on the the Constitution Convention of 1787. Again, it's uh, pretty difficult to do. I'm going to do my best because uh, it takes five minutes just to kind of get warmed up. But Constitution Day is something. If we're going to create a federal holiday, I know they this federal government acknowledged Constitution Week. But if they're going to acknowledge all these these federal holidays to celebrate Martin Luther King, who was basically a pro-communist womanizing uh, Marxist, and uh, this um, holiday uh, Juneteenth. And I'm not against acknowledging and even celebrating to some extent, but a federal holiday uh, for something that really didn't end slavery. What ended slavery was uh, the 13th um, Amendment, not Juneteenth when... Um, a, a union general went into Galveston uh, had formerly been, you know, under Confederate control and said, oh, by the way, the Emancipation Proclamation made you free. The Emancipation Proclamation was something that Lincoln issued in, uh, in 63 and said that in any any uh, slaves in union-controlled territory, formerly Confederate territory, uh, those slaves are free. They didn't free the slaves in the... Um, in the union slave states that didn't happen until uh December of uh, 1865 when the 13th amendment was passed. Uh so uh, so 1787 uh that was uh, September 17th it was when the convention adjourned ended and they agreed they signed the the new constitution that was sent out to be ratified. By the several states, and uh, the, under the Articles of Confederation, they needed all 13 states to approve any changes. Well, in this case, it wasn't a change. It was a brand new constitution, uh, and under the uh, constitution, all they needed was nine. New Hampshire was the last state to, or the ninth state to ratify it. I think it was February of 89, uh, and that at that point, it became the law of the land and uh just the other states uh, i think rhode island was the last holdout they didn't even send any delegates to the convention and it's really important there's a great video that was a movie made by uh it came out of utah uh in uh, in the it was in the mid 80s it was called um, a more perfect union and i do recommend it because it's sort of a just uh it's just a movie with the character george washington and james madison and all the Attendees, and uh, it was great. There was a scene where Governor Morris, who was very instrumental in in much of the uh, much of the things there, he uh, he was. They were waged him that he wouldn't. Uh, he was going to be see Washington, and sort of put his hands on him and be a little bit uh, informal. And he had a few drinks, and he goes up, and he, he he saw him. And Washington was kind of didn't like his his formal his informality, and <laughs> that was the last time he tried that. You don't. You know Washington was a great man, but you treat him. You know there was a certain decorum that you, uh, you know, you didn't slap him on the shoulder and say "How you doing, Georgie boy?" It's not how you dealt with him. But it was a great movie, and they looked at in the movie uh, Washington is referred to, and that's you know they used the notes and what was available, and of course they probably add things here and there, but uh, they kept incredible notes. And James Madison was the the reason why he was called the father of the Constitution is because he kept these copious notes. And uh, thanks to uh, his, his incredible efforts, we learned know a lot. And I just wanna read, I have these pocket constitutions, which we get from the um, National Center for Constitutional Studies, which is based in Idaho. And I'm just gonna read a few excerpts here. This is from George Washington. The power under the constitution will always be in the people, it is entrusted for certain defined purposes and for a certain limited period to representatives of their own choosing. And whenever it is executed contrary to their interest or not agreeable to their wishes, their servants can and undoubtedly will be recalled. So here is Washington saying, look, he said, these people work for the, the servants. These are members of the, of the House Representatives specifically. And he said they serve for a time. In that time, he didn't say anything about we need to have term limits. The term limits are the voters saying no, we don't want you in there anymore. You're not you're not serving our interests, so we're voting out, We're getting rid of you. You're no longer um, uh, and so. Um, he, but see, they these founders like George Washington expected vigilance. They expected uh, the voters back home, the people, to be vigilant. Unfortunately, today they have not. In fact, we haven't been vigilant for a long time. And some people think, hey, they'll take care of it, but why should I be worried? Uh, and that's what most members of Congress like. They want to have their uh, their um, constituents misinformed uh, or uninformed totally. And because you ask the average person on the street, who's your congressman? They look at you like they hit. but they, they can give you the starting lineup of the baseball team or the football team or the basketball team. They can give you stats and figures and wh- what team is in first place and what's the percentage and the wild card scenario but when it comes to things more important. So I do encourage you, the listeners, to visit the um, uh, the Freedom Index through the New American magazine, thenewamerican.com. Click in uh, Freedom Index, and you'll know exactly how your members of the Congress are voting. Well, folks, we're running out of time. But we want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio on WBCQ. And until next week, may God richly bless you.